Have you set a course for your life? Do you do that every day? Knowing what you want is intention. Knowing how to get there is a studying conscious action. This is a show about living consciously. It is about our choices, our hopes, our dreams, our work, our loves, our vision, and the practice of healing and becoming. Welcome to Cruising in the Light and Shadow. Hello, I am Sheila Marie, also known as Sheila Kicha Marie. <laughs> and my name is Anana Moon. Welcome. Welcome. So, um, ever since we started this podcast, I've wanted to have this guest on. Because, oh my gosh, we talked about you. We <laughs> talked about you a while back. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, I mentioned that I had gone to a summer summer celebration, summer ritual. And um, Liana was one of the first people I saw. Oh. So I was taken. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was so taken by you. So you're an inspiration to me. So thank you mm. for coming. And <laughs> Liana. Well, Please. that's giving me chills now. This yeah. is exciting. All right. So Liana in on a moon and our audience. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Oh, oh my goodness. So, um, Do you want to tell, why don't you start? Tell us about yourself. Tell us your It's funny story. because I, I want to hear Sheila Marie. I, I want to hear about that summer. What, what that meant. What her. struck you that summer solstice? You're Were dancing. we in Topanga? Uh, me dancing. It was, yeah, summer. And Dina brought me. Uh -huh. And um, hmm. and just watching you dance, and I was just like, wow. And um, and then I think you did. I want to say you did Persephone. Did you do Persephone once? That, it would be. I did Persephone many times. It wouldn't have been at summer though. No, it would no, have totally. Been in spring. Yeah. So do you I remember what spring. year that was? That summer. That was 1996. Uh huh. So I know I did see you do Persephone as well, and that's. I was just like, I want to do that someday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And that's, that's the story of Persephone and Demeter, I know. And Demeter, and yes. We can talk about sometime. Right. I, I asked, Which we have talked about. Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. I, I asked not, um, not for the personal validation of, you know, your experience of me, but to place that in a context for myself. Um, you know, at that point, I had been in the community for, I think, three years. And I had been facilitating for almost that whole time. I had I had been asked to facilitate almost right away. So, um, and when that you say facilitate, I, me too. You know, we have some newcomers. So, um, this event that Sheila Marie is talking about was a ritual honoring the summer solstice, celebrating yes. the summer solstice. Right. So, at that time, um, we were the oldest Dianic community in the world, mm -hmm. and also the largest. So a ritual like that could easily have 70 plus women attending. Oh, totally. And it so did. we had a whole uh, sort of, I was going to say stable, although that sounds sort of derogatory, <laughs> but we, we had a whole you know, group of women that were facilitating these rituals. Um, and so, it, I mean, easily t 20 of us could be facilitating different portions of the ritual. Okay. And so, um, and I was often, wor you know, working. I was often serving as a dancer in some capacity, as a sacred dancer in some capacity. So I was trying to place your memory, because I don't remember, 
I, I sort of feel like I've always known you. You've always yeah. been part yeah. of my life. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have that moment of like, oh, this is when you stepped in. So I, I, I wanted you to share more so mm-hmm. that I could place you sort of in my timeline. Like, ah, that's when that was. And that's, that's what Circle of Aradia was at that time. Oh, it was, it was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It was Ruth Barrett was high priestess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an extraordinary, extraordinary mm-hmm. time. For sure. Yeah. I went to one of, it, it was a, did you do rituals that were a combined effort? Not just COA, but some others? Because I went to a ritual in Hollywood um, at, um, I don't know if that, it was the Masons, the Masonic Temple, perhaps? I don't think we would have, we never and did it was with Hollows. Men. It was Hollows. We did Crone. But she, she led the spiral oh. dance. She led... Uh, she sang. She has concerts. Her, okay. Well, yeah. it wasn't a concert. It was a ritual. It was hmm. a full-on ritual. And she led spiral Ruth did. Dance. You're talking it about Ruth, Ruth Barrett. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I can't speak so to that. She I was called to other... I'm sure she must have been called to other events and so forth. So that was my first time seeing her. And, mm-hmm. and just... Ins- I was so inspired <laughs> by her. Oh, it was that, that night magical <laughs> mm. pun. All right. um, yeah, but it was... Yeah, I saw Leanna. I saw I saw Ruth Barrett and I was like, oh my gosh, powerful women. Yeah, and it was like I said, it felt like I came home, and it was summer, which is one of my favorite seasons. So it was like, oh, I could be me. Oh my gosh, finally I could be me. That's funny. It's my mm. least favorite. Is it? Yeah, it's my absolute least favorite. Which I'm born in the late fall, and I'm definitely so a I. fall winter I'm a baby. I'm. I have so much internal heat that when it gets hot outside, I just, I just wilt. I just wilt and wait yes. for the, yeah. for it to yeah. pass. Well, my birthday is fall equinox, so. Ah. So well, also happy birthday! We just yes, passed over we just it. Passed Thank it. you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And so I've Mine's been in October, and yeah. absolutely hollows <laughs> <laughs> is my world and time. I love it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So oh, I, I met you. And um, we did rituals together, and um, and then uh, I was at Spiral Door on that day. Mm. So I was across the canyon from you, I believe, because mm. we were at Temescal. Mm. You're talking about October 4th. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Mm. Um, I suppose I, I should talk about that then. Um, Please. Again, I'm, I'm, I sort of feel like I, I, like I want to be interviewing you. I, I want to know, you know, like what was your experience of that? I'll tell you. And, oh, good. I'm glad. Um, so what we're alluding to is that um, on October 4, 2002, I was, um, I was on a date, actually. <laughs> uh, there was a man that I'd been, I'd known him for a couple of years, but we'd only been dating for a few months. And uh, his name is Dean. Hmm. And we were hiking in Charmley Park in the Malibu Hills. And I'd never been there before, although I had been a lifelong outdoors person. Um, I started, like the first time my father took me backcountry backpacking. Like, no trail, certainly no bathroom, (laughs) uh, no tent, you know. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, I was five. That's the first time I did that. And rugged. <laughs> yes, extremely rugged. And I did that, you know, every summer of my life until I was 17. And um, I, as an adult, was a, a weekly hiker, you know, and all the, um, you don't think of Los Angeles as being a, 
place full of hiking trails, but we are. They're yeah. everywhere. They're absolutely everywhere. Truly. And so, yeah. you know, this was something I did all the time. I was a avid climber and trail runner and all that kind of stuff. So I, I went hiking um, with my friend Dean and I was having a very anxious morning. And truth be told, I was a very anxious person. Um, I was 33 at that time. And I had, you know, I have a lot of childhood trauma and um, in, a, in a condensed period of time all around my parents' divorce, my, around my father leaving from the ages of about four to seven. And I, I really did not trust life because I had been terribly, terribly hurt by someone who I knew loved me to pieces. And what that basically said to me was, look, if even the people who would die for you can hurt you like this, then this is an unsafe place. Life is an unsafe place. And so from the time I was basically eight on, I was constantly trying to orchestrate safety in my life, like manipulate where my life was going and when it was going to get there and how it was going to get there and who was going to be with me and who wasn't going to be with me. And I, I was, I was just so, I mean, you can see my body. Like I was mm -hmm. so locked up trying to make sure that bad things didn't happen to me. Yes. That particular morning, <laughs> Dean treated me to the best orgasm of my life, and it totally, completely, 100% freaked me out. It, I had this moment of like, oh my God, I think that's exactly what that was. Like, I, I don't think there's one that tops that. <laughs> and then I just wanted out of the bed. And bless Dean's heart, he was like, why? Where are you going? You know, like, let's hang out. And I was like, no, nope, we have a plan. We're going hiking. The day's getting away from us. Like, I, I literally, I could not stay in the bed. So we went on this hike. And I, in that moment, my anxiety was all focused on this relationship. Is, do I really want to be with this person? Is this the right person for me? And we had had a lot of back and forth. And I felt like I had to know. I had to know right then. I had to know the truth for the forever future. I mm. couldn't even just know my truth for that moment. I had mm -hmm. to know, I had to know everything. I owed that to him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was a little freaked out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I was hoping I'd feel better on the trail because I often did, except that I didn't this time. And so I took us off the trail and we found this, uh, this grove of trees and I, I took us into that grove, this beautiful grove of oak trees, and it was shaded. It was mm. super hot, super hot that day. And I thought I'd feel better in the grove, and I didn't. And then there was this beautiful tree in the corner, and it was perfect from a climbing standpoint. You know, if I had to build a tree and put all the branches where I needed them to be, that would have been the tree. And I thought, I will so feel better in the arms of that tree. Mm. And so... Within seconds, I was about 25, maybe 30 feet up. And um, Dean, Dean was actually off in the corner peeing at the time <laughs> that I started climbing. I didn't know that. I, he just had his back to me. I, I don't know. I thought he was looking at something. I don't know. I didn't find that out till weeks and weeks oh. later. Oh, no. That he was actually peeing. So he's very stealth about it. And so I was already way up. 
by the time he saw me and he started climbing. Um, and and then I, I was sitting in one spot and I saw this other spot that was a bit lower that looked so much better than the spot I was in because, of course, I didn't feel any better in the tree You're either. Yes, anxious. I was still totally yeah. freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I climbed down to that spot thinking, you know, that's the spot I'm going to feel better. So I was standing almost perfectly vertical and these two branches thicker than my thighs you know I had one foot on each branch with all this room around me so I was standing upright and my left arm was resting lightly on a this smaller branch behind my body hmm. just really for comfort like I didn't have any weight on that hand I, I was on my feet and I just was it was sort of draped on there and Dean started telling this just ridiculously long joke. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing in the tree <laughs> waiting for a punchline. <laughs> and I heard a loud crack. And as soon as I heard it, I knew exactly what was happening. And I reached in front of me to see if there was anything I could grab. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing there. And Dean was standing about six feet away from me, so there was nothing he could do. And because what had happened was the branch my hand was resting on, that branch broke. And simply the weight of my own arm pulled me backward out of the tree. Oh. And it was the beginning of the most glorious experience of my life. You know, living so anxiously and doing so much throughout my adult life, you know, therapy, oh my God, so much therapy. And, <laughs> and, uh, and this spiritual journey that I had been on, these spiritual teachings and... Um, you know, being trained as a ritual priestess and so much work on so many levels to live free, to escape this intense angst. Mm -hmm. And in the moment that I heard the crack, as soon as I realized there was nothing I could do, that I was going down, I realized that I had a choice that I could fight what was happening to me, just like I had done all through my life in every situation I had ever been in. I could try to control this, or I could let go and let it happen. Mm. And I chose to let go. Surrender? Pure. Right. Absolutely pure. And instantly, everything dropped into slow motion. And the most incredible bliss came over my body. Goodness. And I, I had so much time just hanging there. So I had time to notice that I was filled with peace. I had time to notice that I'd never, ever in my life felt that. I had time to notice the shape of my own body in space. I had time to notice that things really do drop into slow motion, that film and TV got it right. I had time to notice that I was noticing 
I had mm-hmm. time. It was exquisite. And because I was falling backward, I never had a sense that I was getting closer to the ground. Oh. I couldn't see the ground. And then from this place, the ground shot up and hit me. It felt like the planet actually jumped its orbit to meet me where I was in the air. That's a metaphor, yes. man. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I never lost consciousness. No. Okay. No. I didn't know that. Oh. No, I never lost consciousness after I hit the ground. Um, I hit, I hit the middle of my back. Hmm. Um, the biggest problem with it was that I was standing vertical when the branch broke, but as I was falling, I was tipping like this. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So what hit the ground was essentially my middle chest my upper yes. back but my legs were above my head at the time so the momentum of my body my legs kept going yes. and they crashed over my head and then snapped back to the ground mm. the impact onto the ground shattered my 11th vertebra Goodness. but right. alone right. it shattered that vertebra and it um <laughs> I don't there isn't even a word for what it did to my rib. I have a rib in the back that was in in pieces. Oh man. And that rib um ripped into my right lung and collapsed that lung. But that alone, all of that I would have recovered from. The mm-hmm. big problem was that because my legs came over my head and then snapped back, that the pressure plus the position of being like jackknifed, folded right. in half. Right actually dislocated my spine so severely that it popped the joint and came to lock on the other side, lock out of position. Mm -hmm. So that um, crushed my spinal cord, uh, essentially completely, such that I was instantly and completely paralyzed from the waist down. (sighs) Yeah, I'll just need to breathe for a second. I know it does. Well, it's... It's always, that's mm. something I've looked at and thought about, how, how strange it is one moment so many things can conspire to make something happen. You know, if, if one thing hadn't happened, mm. things mm-hmm. would have been very different. I remember being very, very aware um, after it happened and for years afterward, so grateful that I wasn't a foot or two feet or five feet higher in the tree because I was tipping toward my head. So had I been any Uh higher, I would have either broken my neck and been a quadriplegic, broken my neck and died, or come down on my head and died. And I feel like what I I got away with (laughs) is, is actually, you know, for somebody who was, who was 25 feet up in a tree. I didn't do so yeah. bad. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, that gratitude was present for me for a long, long, and, and still to this day, but not as intensely, you know, for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I really felt like, whoo, I dodged a bullet there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> so may I ask, speaking of grieving, was there, you, sp- you spoke of gratitude and mm-hmm. serenity 
um, and serenity to this surrender, I mean, that's a divine experience right from the beginning. Did, were you able, were, did you sustain that or was there then dealing with what happened, what was lost? Um, what was gained? Yeah, what was yes, eventually, no, clearly, what was gained, but there, there was definitely a tremendous amount of grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But none of this was a linear process. So mm-hmm. I did right. have, I, I was incredibly blessed to have this extraordinarily positive beginning. And even after I hit the ground, you know, I couldn't breathe. Um, I, have, I could take these little teeny, teeny, tiny breaths. It was excruciating Ooh. to breathe because I had a rib in my lung. Um, and I, couldn't, I could barely talk because I couldn't get enough air to, air. to make sound. Yeah. And, um, but I was extremely calm. I felt, um, you know, really that, that moment in, in the air, mm-hmm. that moment was about perfect union. I was 100% aligned with spirit. Yes. And that did not go away for a long time. So I was on the ground. I can't move. I can't feel my legs. I'm in pain. I can't breathe. I can't talk. I'm in the woods (laughs) with one person. That's right. Yeah. um, Who's freaking out who's <laughs> totally like gonna say. he is not calm at all <laughs> okay. he's you know thank god Ooh. we had cell reception we had both phones oh, we had reception god. on both phones and you know he's arguing with 911 because they're telling him they ha- he has to leave me he has oh. to go to the trailhead and meet paramedics because we right. are off trail Right. And he's like, I am not, there is no way I am leaving her here. You know, oh. he's hysterical. I'm totally calm. He can't remember where we are, you know. Oh, sure. I'm, yeah. and so of course he does leave me. He has to. So he runs off and I have this moment where I think maybe I should be afraid right now. Like this seems like a situation mm-hmm. where it's, reasonable to be afraid (laughs) you know (laughs) and I sort of put one little toe in that pond and I can feel it like a wave and it feels so bad and I think why would I do that yeah why would I trade this totally aligned completely supported utter bliss for Mm, that That, not going there and it wasn't denial. It wasn't like, it was just, it was just a choice. A it was choice. just like, that's not going to help me. And that's going to feel shitty. Good for you. And then I thought, maybe I should pray. Because, <laughs> you know. Yeah, then you yeah. can. Yeah, because exactly. yeah, then you like, think, well, this is, this is another reasonable now. thing to do in a moment like this. And yeah. I, I put a toe into that pool and I thought, well, this is absurd. In order to pray in this moment, I would have to pretend that the goddess is not here. I would have to say, you, go over there so that I can pray for you to come be with me. <laughs> there was nothing to pray for. I was completely protected. <sighs> completely held. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So that alignment stayed with me, but that doesn't mean I didn't grieve. Right. So, um, you know, I didn't know that, I didn't know the implications of what I was experiencing. I didn't know that my cord was crushed. I didn't know, I didn't even know my back was broken. I just know I can't feel anything. I can't move anything. Mm -hmm. I can't breathe. 
um, and they medevaced me to UCLA, and I you know went through immediately through tests, MRI, and um, I you know. I'm the person that everybody in the waiting room at the ER is, that's why they're in the waiting room, because I bump everybody, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and after the last test, it was an MRI, they said, they told me we were going to surgery. And I was like, wait, what for? Well, that's, a, yeah. That's and a I, I remember the nurse saying, well, you've broken your back. Like, it was so obvious to everybody to else. everybody else, right. Like, but me. Right. Yeah. And no one had thought yeah. to tell me. That, that would have been nice. That, yeah. <laughs> so... You know, there was definitely very intense grieving, but I was always moving sort of in and out of that. Okay. And what I found is that this approach that I have, that I now call the Shiro's Way and that I teach, is mm -hmm. about making a much wider space for everything that's true. Because even when things are really, really bad, there's magic and glory all through that and so trying to open my perception to that without denying what's bad what's going on that's right. that's mm -hmm. yeah. absolutely yeah. critical it drives yeah. me bananas when people do this like force themselves to be positive or force themselves to be grateful like no you got to tell the truth yeah. yeah yeah but the truth is bigger than you think so make a bigger space get a little bit bigger in this space so we can mm -hmm. hold a bigger truth. So I was devastated. I was a lifelong dancer. Yeah. And now I can't move below the waist. My sexual sensation is gone. I have no control of my bladder. I have no control of my bowel. My bones, I will start breaking bones very soon after that. My bones are now very brittle. And no one, there is no recorded recovery of an injury at my degree of injury. Oh, I didn't know that. Does not mm. exist. Some, mm. you know, it's never mm. been recorded anywhere in the world. Wow. So I was devastated. And I was terrified. And I was angry. And I was bereft. And... I was grateful. I was excited. I was um, exalted. Mm. I was all of those things. And there's no question that paralysis changed my life for the better. Even, even today, I mean, I still don't have any control of my bladder. I still don't have, you know, <laughs> these are major issues in my life and they impact my life in huge ways every day, today, still 16 years later. But there's no question that paralysis made my life better. And I, so, I, you, so you may have understood more than anyone what Stephen Hawking was talking about when he said, had it not been for what he went through, he wouldn't have been the scientist he was and... Um, experience life in the way he come, came to experience it, then... I can say that I understand something about that, yes. Right. And like in your One Woman show, where, where unfortunately you're not doing it anymore, but you told this story, and that was the first time I really heard it all. Because I was around you, I, I, I had the information, but just it's so beautiful the way you tell it. Um, as you've said, you know, it's given you this 
but that doesn't mean that you're like, oh, thank, you know, I'm loving every day of oh this. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> it's hard every day. It's hard every day. Yeah. At some point or another, for some reason or another, it's hard every day. Yeah. So what is your relationship like with the divine, if we can ask? Because, And I'm asking that because in our last episode, we were talking about that connection to divine um, um, when we are in so our show, <laughs> when we are in our light and our shadow, um, you have to create it. You have to cultivate it. You have to nurture it. Um, what do you feel the divine or the goddess does for you? It's interesting you talk about cultivating and creating and nurturing. And or I, being. <laughs> I, I find that for me, the practice is much more about letting. All right. It's about right. getting out of the way. The way. All right. That, um, and this does not come easily to me. I mean, I, I had that pristine moment of surrender, so I know the, I know, I know firsthand it's promise. Hmm. Hmm. But that does not mean that in that moment I became an expert at doing it. And now for (laughs) 16 years, I'm like, who no, this is a breeze. It's not. It's not. It's life. And so I. um, So it's really a constant practice in many ways. You know what I what my favorite thing to do, my favorite thing to do is that I'll get an inspiration um, I'll get, I'll be in meditation or I'll be doing the dishes. I don't know. <laughs> so often with the dishes, I don't know what the deal. Don't tell my husband because, you know, I might be doing a lot more dishes if he knew it was <laughs> such, such an up thing for me. But um, I'll be doing something like that and it'll be clear as day like, oh, this is a direction I want to move in. This is a project I want to do or this is a program I want to offer or a story I want to write. And then within 24 hours and often within 10 minutes, my ego goes, great, thank you so much. I'll take it from here. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and then I get all Ooh. up in its face. Yeah. You know, whatever that yeah. project or program is, I get all up in its face, and I get my notepad out, and I get my to-do list going, and I get my schedule, and and, you know, within four seconds, I have totally gotten in the way of what was just about to <laughs> <Yes>. be born. <laughs> and I have made myself miserable in the process because now I'm stressed out. Now I'm behind schedule. Now I don't know how to do this thing that comes next. And I'm all freaked out because I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Now I'm full of self-doubt. Oh, that was a stupid idea in the first place. What was I thinking? <laughs> now I'm imagining all the criticism I'm going to take for doing that thing. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Yes. Now it's a mess. Yeah. Now it's a mess. So... <laughs> You know, one, keep some humor about it. Yeah. Right. And two, go back to surrender again and again and again and again. And surrender is not being weak, I want to say, because I think some people would think that. that. Yeah. Letting go and allowing. Yeah. No, in fact, we we have a mutual friend whom I won't name because I I don't think she'd appreciate it. But um, many, many, many years ago, God, this is, I mean, I was maybe injured a year. You know, so 15 years ago, a long time ago, she was in a very sort of protracted <laughs> with her ex-husband over their child. 
and uh, and the child was at the time, I think maybe 11 or 12, uh, young, 11, 10, 11, something like that. And this had been going on for a long time. It was just like they were just entrenched in this battle. Mm-hmm. And I remember having this instinct, like something's not right here. This is this is not right. And and talking with her, she was sharing the story with me, and I suggested so as delicately as I could manage the possibility that surrender was called for. And what she said to me was, oh, I will never give up. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I didn't have the language yet, but in my body I was like, I'm not talking about giving up. Right. Giving right. up is about giving over power. It's, it's about laying down and saying, okay, I am at your mercy. You do what you're going to do. And it leads to apathy. It leads to withdrawal. It leads to cynicism. It's a totally disempowered state. Mm-hmm. Surrender is not even remotely that. Mm-hmm. Surrender is an acceptance of what is. Like, yeah. this is happening. Mm-hmm. It is not an indictment of the future. Right. It, it, it says nothing about the future. It simply says, this is what is. We don't go outside when it's pouring rain and refuse to accept that it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> we surrender to the fact that it's raining. Now, we might f- push against that. We might you know, determine that we're going to do everything we were planning to do that day before we knew it was right. pouring rain, and we're going to do it in our high heel pumps, and we're going to do it with our... You <laughs> Without know, an umbrella. With our, exactly. With, with our, exactly. With, yeah. the, with, the, with the, uh, you know, the, the, the dew... <laughs> You know, we might we might do that, but we don't for some reason we don't have that instinct to like, you know, fight against the fact that it's raining. But we do this in our lives all the time. Yes. So true. Oh, my gosh. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. So surrender is about this is now this is happening. Mm -hmm. So how do I want to respond? Who do I want to be in this moment? What am I available for? That's surrender. Ooh, totally, like that different. Different. Mm-hmm. totally different. Totally yes. different. That's a great yes. definition. Yeah. Um, Powerful. On the it's mund- really, truly empowering. It is. On the mundane question, what happened with Dean? <laughs> um, Dean and I got married. <laughs> uh, we, uh, I really, I tried super, super, super hard to get rid of him. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I was in, imbe- I continued all that ambivalence that I had prior to the fall. I had after the fall. Oh yeah. Bad. And, yeah. um, but we did share this incredible thing and that was, v- that, that had an impact on me for sure. No pun intended. Um, you <laughs> know, he the f- was there. He's the sole witness. He is the sole witness. This event belongs to him absolutely hundred percent as much as it belongs to me. Mm. He had a different experience than I had, but this is his event. That's, yeah. He is the only person on earth for whom that is true. Wow. Um, and that bonds us, in, no, no matter what relationship we're having, no matter how we choose to enact that relationship, we will be bonded in that way for life, for sure. Um, yeah. But I, I still had a lot of nervousness about it. Dave and I are incredibly different. We are culturally extremely <laughs> different. We had... Um, I wasn't even sure we had shared values. I mean, we are so, so, so different. And so it was very confusing to me that I was attracted to him in the first place. Mm -hmm. It was very confusing to me that I couldn't 
like logically it makes no sense that Dean and I would be together. And so my whole being was like, what are you doing with this person? And yet my being wouldn't walk away. It wouldn't leave him. <laughs> and so I was, I was very conflicted about all of that. And then I fall out of this tree and now I'm paralyzed and he wants to stay. And I don't really understand that. And I keep trying to make sure that he knows what he's getting into. Because my biggest fear, people often would say to me, weren't you afraid he was going to leave you? It's like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> and not, not, not because he was so devoted, which he was. But, no, I was way more afraid that he was going to stay for the wrong reasons. And that he was going to screw ah, up both right. our lives if he did that. Right. But he wouldn't yeah. screw them up for another 20 years. Mm -hmm. And we would have mm -hmm. invested all of that time. And then he'd screw them up. So... I needed him to be utterly clear what he was getting into. So every time he would say something like, oh, I don't know, he would, he would muse about the future or about, I don't know, living together or getting married or something, I would say something like, you know, I lost 10 years of my life expectancy when I hit the ground. And he'd say, yeah, honey, I, I know. I, I know that. You know, And then he'd few weeks later he'd say something else or a few months later and I'd say you know my chances of bladder cancer are really so much higher now because I'm a daily catheter user mm -hmm. You're like yeah Leanna I know <laughs> like I heard all this I was in the hospital with you I heard all this I just I just needed him to go in with open mm -hmm. eyes and um, finally he said you got to shut up you got to <laughs> like I know and you got to <laughs> stop doing that excellent excellent it's like all right I'll stop doing that and then I mounted Caterpillar Soup, and um, I didn't intend for Caterpillar Soup, the play, to be a love story, but there's no question that it was. Oh, my gosh, yes. And I spent, you know, Caterpillar, the original run of Caterpillar Soup, we ran for six months. So we were supposed to run for three weekends. And um, So tell us we, about this was a play? Yeah, we so couldn't get people to stop coming. We um, <laughs> So true. <laughs> so... I, you know, my, my background, my, my undergraduate degree is in theater. So, right. you know, I'd been a performer <laughs> my whole life and been studying acting since I was a child um, and, you know, performing all through high school and college and, and post-college. I was a founding member of a theater company in L.A. That's how I know Dean. He's also a, a co-founder. Oh, yeah. I forget he's an actor, too. Okay, yeah, cool. Ziggurat Theater Ensemble, or Peoples. Mm. So um, while I was in the hospital, as part of my team... While I was in rehab, two months, I had a psychiatrist, psychologist. And the first day I met her, she said, you know, can you tell me a little bit about how you got here? And I told her a 20-minute story. Mm -hmm. And when I was done, she said, first, I want you to know that nobody does that. <laughs> nobody gives me more than three sentences. <laughs> and the second thing I want you to know is that I know it's too soon for you to think about this, so please don't feel like you have to but I see you telling these stories. And she said, I mean, I see you telling them like on television. And I, I was like, what? Whatever, <laughs> you know, I, I need to learn how to pee for myself first. <laughs> first things first. You know, I really, and I didn't think really anything of it. I thought she was kind of crazy. But when I got out of the hospital two months later, Within a month of getting out of the hospital, I was absolutely compelled to tell these stories. Like there had been so much magic and so much gold in my life already in what was supposed to be the most tragic, catastrophic experience of my life. And I had to talk about that. I had to talk about all this magic. I had to, I had to tell these stories. And theater is what I know. The stage is what I know. So 
I called up the uh, artistic director of our theater company and they were in the middle of a show that I was supposed to be in. We were in rehearsals for that show when I fell. So I was replaced and they went on and, and, um, and I said, can I have the theater? You know, sometime mm. when you're done, you can leave your set. I don't care. Just, can I just have the space? And he said, sure. So we invited just friends and family. There's probably about 100 people in the room. And I got up on the stage and I had some things that were written, some things I read out of my hospital journal, some things I just told freeform. I'd never done anything like this. And for two and a half hours, we were spellbound. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I was smart enough to videotape it. And I could feel in the moment that something was happening in the room, which I did not expect. I, I, Mm. I did not know that that would happen. But when I saw the tape... And I was like, who is that woman? Like, I've never seen her before. Who is that woman? And the transformation that was taking place in the room, for the people in the room, just hearing this story, there was something about it or something about the way I told it or the combination. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But it was allowing people to go on this journey with me in a way that was actually affecting them. Mm-hmm. And so from that... I crafted a full-length one-woman show, which I had never done. It's called Caterpillar Soup. It opened one month after the two-year anniversary of the fall. The two-year anniversary, we went back to Charmley Park. I'm trying to think if that was the first time I was back. Uh, Yeah, it was. It was the first time I I went. Dean had gone back without me once. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, Dean was trying to figure out what happened. And so he took himself back and he went back into the tree because he was trying to place us because he was like, we were up in the tree and then you were on the ground because the actual time for me, I was hanging in the air for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But if you do the math, if you do the physics, it was 1.2 seconds. It was a second. Yes. Yeah, wow. I'm sure Between. So for him, yeah. Yeah. like he's talking to me and I'm on the ground. Jesus. So he had no idea yeah. like what happened. How did I get there? What so he went back to try to piece things together, but I was in the hospital when he did that. So on the two-year anniversary, we went back together. Um, that's a phenomenal story, which I, I know we don't have time for, so I'm, I'm not going to go into that. But um, one month after going back, I opened this show. The last story in the show is the return to Charmley Park. Oh, yeah. oh, and immense. I had no idea what this would become. But people were coming back three and four times um, you know, we were, we were reviewed by the Times and Daily Variety and like, I mean, these major, it was a 40 seat theater and we had major reviewers coming out, um, yeah. these beautiful reviews. And so we just, we kept extending by a month at a time. We ended up extending five times because it, it, it I don't know, it was just this thing. It was so much bigger than me. It was so much bigger than me. Yes. I got people to must see have t- healed. People, people must oh, have yeah. healed in watching your show. There is in a variety of ways, I would think. Too. You know, there is something about um, Paul Link uh, directed the show and developed it with me. Paul and I spent a summer. I met with him twice a week in the theater, and I just talked. I just told stories, and we recorded everything. And he would say, "Oh, I really like that one. Let's hold on to that one." Or he'd ask questions, or. Or I'd say, oh, wait, this is really important. And I'd go home and I'd write, you know. And in this very organic way, we crafted this piece together. And I remember, and Paul himself was a solo artist, very, very successful solo artist. And I remember him saying to me right before the show opened, 
he said, listen, you are the tour guide. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you are responsible for these people. And what he wanted to do was warn me because um, in his first one-man show, um, Time Flies When You're Alive, which was about his first wife and her battle with an eventual loss to, I believe, breast cancer. Hmm. Um, a show that he did all over the country for many, many, many years. He would frequently have, like somebody would pass out in the audience or um, they would have a very physical response to this story. And he, he wanted to warn me. He hmm. wanted to say, hmm. look, you're it. Like you're out there with this group of people and you are all they have. So, um, just as an aside, I, I, I always thought he was overreacting. I always thought he was like, and it, it, in the five years that, um, no, yeah, five years that Caterpillar Soup toured the country, I had at least five people in various venues where I had to stop the show. Oh my gosh. Because somebody was having an intense something or other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, including, energy, including passing energy. out and. Did you must have been charged? Did you go to them or did somebody else go to no, them? No, okay. I never went to them. Okay. Um, what typically what would happen is somebody else in the audience, usually their companion, perfect, would scream or do something, <laughs> and we would stop the show, and then we would have you know stage manager or whoever it was would actually handle the issue, and then my job is to corral everybody back to that moment in the story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and go on. Wow. That's I mean, just intensity all the way around. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but to answer your question, so um, so this is what happened with Caterpillar Soup, was, was there was something about being that guide and taking on that responsibility that, listen, I went on a journey, and it was a healing journey for me, and I'm going to take you with me now on that journey. And I took that responsibility very, very deeply to heart. And I... I said, listen, the road is treacherous in places. It's stunningly beautiful, but it's also hard. But I'm here with you. I have my lantern, and I promise you Mm. we will get to the end. I will not leave you somewhere along the road. And by the time we got to the end of that story, people had been transformed. I was going to say that is what what you are. I believe is then the goddess's expression. You get however you want to say goddess, the divine's expression of transformation, and that's the deepest thing. We all recognize that in one way or another. It's um, it's a um, a heart and gut <laughs> journey. Mm. Um, my goodness. What, what other work do you do? We haven't had a chance. <laughs> it's to funny even, you should say that. I want to suddenly. <laughs> I was just, please tell us what other work. No, do I was actually. It's a, it's a, you, we picked up on that exact moment because I was just about to say, funny you should mention funny. transformation. <laughs> because, I mean, there's no question that is my area of expertise. Yeah. You know, uh, rebirth, resurrection, if you want to use that yes. myth. Yes. Um, you know, this is what I know. I, Death I, to new life. Yes, yes. I understand the experience of being the, you know, the caterpillar and living your caterpillar life. And something happens, a divorce, a loss of job, a loss of a loved one, bankruptcy, um, a diagnosis, an injury, uh, something happens to your child. And the life you've been living, you can't live it anymore like that. 
and you are put into this cocoon. But what happens in that cocoon is you dissolve. That's what happens to the caterpillar. Mm -hmm. That's why my show is called Caterpillar Soup. You cannot become the butterfly without that dissolving. So that's the process that I understand. I understand in my cells. And when I came through that, and even before I came through it, as I was entering it, I knew then that my work in the world was to be that lantern bearer, mm -hmm. was to say, I, I will walk with you. Because I know, even, even if your catalyst is different than mine, I know what this is going to look like. And I know how to help you get to the wings. Because there's a lot mm. of things you can do to get in the way of the wings. The wings aren't guaranteed. Right. So, um, so the work that I do, I'm a transformation coach. I mean, that's what, that's what it's called. Wow. <laughs> I love that name. Yeah. And that makes complete sense with you. That's what it's called. It's called transformation coach. Um, and I do one-on-one -on -one work with women all over the country. And um, do you just, just with women? Um, I have worked with a few men. My personal resonance is with women. And so um, I aim everything I do f toward that. Mm -hmm. But there are certainly men who resonate with me. And as long as that resonance is mutual, I'm not close to that. Um, but it's not something that I specifically invite because my resonance is, is really with women. Again, yeah. the, it's, that's been your path in this lifetime. Yeah. The, you know, my message is definitely genderless. Um, yes. It's universal. You know, I, it certainly wasn't playing to a female audience when I was doing my show or when I tell mm. these stories. Mm -hmm. And I had many, many men who were moved by my experiences and who experienced their own transformations. But in terms of the work that I do, the, the counseling that I do, the coaching that I do, that I do with women. And oh, you call it the Shiro's way? The Shiro's way... Um, Oh, I love that. I do, too. <laughs> That's I have great. very sweet feelings in my heart for those words. Um, the Shiro's Way is a philosophy, and it's an approach to adversity that I originated. Right. We, I've had trouble finding the right word for this because um, I did not expect, I mean, believe me, nobody was more surprised that I, than I that paralysis would be such a catal such a positive catalyst in my life and that I would thrive in the way that I did and have. I mean, nobody was more surprised <laughs> than I was. And it happened right away. It happened virtually immediately, even while I was grieving and while I was having all of that. Um, so the fact that I was back on stage within seven months of being injured or that I, you know, I mean, it's just the timing of all of this is, is really, I could never have made that happen had I Goodness. intended for it to. I, it was about getting out of the way and allowing what needed to happen to happen. So I, I was not too deep in. I was maybe two, two and a half years into paralysis when I was noting to my mother, <laughs> like how astonishing it is that something so catastrophic, tragic, and horrible could have such an incredibly positive impact on a life. Like all these people are coming to my show. I show up every Friday night. There is a stack of fan mail. Fan mail. Like people sending me gifts, oh. CDs, and poems, and butterfly everything, <laughs> and thanking me. I mean, I just, 
I, I never imagined anything like that. Hmm. Well, and so I remember saying to her, like, how, how, isn't it amazing? And my mother, sitting at the dinner table, grew very quiet, and she said, it is. It is amazing. But how? How are you doing this? Huh. And my mother's a concentration camp survivor. Oh, wow. my. Yeah. She was a child yeah. at Mauthausen, prisoner of war, um, born a refugee, was stateless right. until she was in her 20s, um, destitute, devastatingly poor, malnourished, spent mm. five years in displaced person refugee camps after being liberated from Mauthausen. The most difficult first two decades of life I can imagine. Mm. Yeah. And 70 plus years later, she still has nightmares. She still has the effects of malnutrition in her body. She, she carries all of this. So for her to ask me, how are you doing this? Mm. And for me to not have an answer was unacceptable. And that night, I went into my room <laughs> and I was like, how did you do this? And I started deconstructing. What were my attitudes? What have been my actions? What are my habits? What are my values? Mm -hmm. what, 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 mm -hmm. are, what perspective am I bringing to this? What am I doing? How am I doing this? And I, I happen to have a master's degree in human development, which I had before, <laughs> I, before I was paralyzed. So I have the training. I have the education. I have the skill. I have the research skill. I, I just went back and I just deconstructed the whole thing. And I codified all of that into an approach that anyone can take facing any kind of challenge. And that approach I call the Shiro's way. Beautiful. So mm. what gets in the way of, um, of getting your wings? Because I liked how you put that, yeah. of get, of, that you take people on a journey to get to their wings. What gets in the way? Many things, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on what it is, I'm sure. And who. And yeah. who you are. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, among the common things that will get in the way for someone who has the consciousness that wings are possible, okay? That's, the, that's very important, so, first of all. Yes, so right there, you're, you're I mean, the biggest problem, the, truly the biggest problem is a lack of consciousness that this horrible experience that you're having has transformative potential. Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah. For yeah. most of us, we that. are really blinded by the thing that is smack up in our face. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And it's hard and it hurts and it's scary and it sucks and it's ruining everything. It's very hard to see past that. All my plans right. are out the door. I was Not only all my plans are out the door, but now I'm afraid. I'm afraid yeah. for my survival or I'm yes. afraid for my child's survival. These things are super yeah. distracting. Yeah. <laughs> super, super That's distracting. That's a perfect word, distracting. And so, you know, totally reasonably, we miss the fact that we are in the presence of an extraordinary opportunity in this moment. It does not mean that what we're going through is not excruciatingly hard. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. is. it is. It yeah. is. Mm -hmm. And. Yes, and. And. It is also this extraordinary opportunity, okay? So that's the first thing that gets in the way. Mm -hmm. It's just a lack of consciousness that I'm in the presence of an opportunity. 
The next thing that gets in the way is saying yes to that opportunity. Hmm. Because the last thing we want to do is go toward the unknown. What we're desperate to do is get back to good. Mm -hmm. Comfort zone. Get back to what we know. Get back to our plans. Get back to what feels safer, what Mm -hmm. feels more familiar. Don't tell me I have to change. (laughs) It's very, very hard to let go of who you've been Been, before you know who you're becoming. Can you say that again? It's very hard to let go of who you have been before you know who you're becoming. Mm. Yes. And that is what's required. You have to let go before you know. It's required. Mm -hmm. So the instinct when something is going horribly wrong is to fight against it, to try to keep Mm -hmm. it from happening. And there are plenty of times when that is a healthy instinct. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say for a moment that, that that's always a clue that we should be doing something different. There are plenty of times when that's the right thing to do. Right. But there are also many times when actually what's called for is to let what's happening happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to, to surrender to it. You stay empowered. Mm-hmm. Um. So sometimes that's the sticking point for someone is to let something happen. And then a lot of times you've let it happen. You're in it. You're in the soup. Everything's come apart. And you just are sort of drowning. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a hard time, too. That um, I really wish no one ever had to face alone. I mean, that's why I do what I do, because yeah. <laughs> that breaks my heart. Yeah. That breaks my heart because it's, it, you can get lost in that space. Mm-hmm. And time will eventually kick you out. Yes. It will. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's true. But it could be a decade. Yeah. It could be three decades. And it could kick you out and have you not be more than you were when you went in. Yes. And that, too, is something that I can't bear. The idea that you will suffer through this transformative oh, process yeah. Yeah. and not come out more than you were. I cannot abide that. I cannot abide that because it doesn't have to be that way. And so helping people really harness that moment and not get lost in the soup and feel those wings, recognize those wings, because then you got to learn to fly with them. I mean, (laughs) there are stages to this, you know? It doesn't happen overnight. And I don't, we're all going to suffer. We're all going to be challenged. Like, no one one gets through life without being challenged. (laughs) Yeah. Like, there, there is no human alive who makes it from birth to death without experiencing challenges. You know, if you love anybody... You're, you're going to hurt at some point, even if it's just because that person gets old and dies of natural causes and you lose them. I mean, it's, th- there is no avoiding it. And so if we have to go through it anyway, I want it to do more than hurt us. Yes. I want it to do more than leave us at the end tired and exhausted and, and wounded and injured and <laughs> I, I exactly. want it to make us bigger exactly. I want it to make us brighter I want it to make us braver 
I want it to allow us to bring our gifts into the world so that we can make the world better. All of yes. that is possible. Yes, yes, yes. All yeah. of that is possible in every challenge we face. It's in everyone, that opportunity. I'm not sure why this uh, seems such a strong point to me, but you s I do like that you said, too, you have to learn how to use your wings and so forth. People are going to want to be in denial of what you've been through, and that may challenge um, the status it's it's challenging the status quo for someone to go through so much and to evolve and come out greater or stronger or with whatever gifts from from a loss or a difficulty and i'm talking about like family members and friends who just want everything to be okay and not and talk about the elephant in the room let's not talk about it and i don't know if you've dealt with with in your own life, people just wanted things to be the way they were for you because um, you challenged that in, in your husband. Um, and I'm assuming clients, and I know from what I've worked with, um, people just wanting to be out of the bad spot no matter what and, and not willing to walk through the transformation, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I... I um, I think that there are two there are two answers to that question. So All one right. is about my family and friends and one is about my clients. Yeah. So in terms of my clients, I don't work with anybody who hasn't come to me because they want wings. So it's not right. my job to convince you to go on this journey. Right. That's an earlier part of um, how do I say this? So the work that I do in the world has, has uh, several prongs, for lack of a better word, okay? One of those is I tell these stories because I want to inspire you to take that journey. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. If my story doesn't inspire you to do that, I am not going to sit down with you or something else hasn't inspired you to do that. I'm not going to sit down with you and say, no, you really should do this. You're not going to go find them. That's not, yeah. that's not my job. Right. No. So right. I, I, I live a visible life and I tell these stories in the hopes they will inspire you to take that journey. And to come to you. Or to whatever, or whoever, yeah, exactly. Or whoever need, the, yeah. You know, the, whatever, whoever you need. Your, your guide, your support might not, I might not be the right person for you. I just want you to take the journey. Yes. I want you to take the journey. Take that first step. So um, so I never have to deal with that with my clients. All I right. don't have to deal with clients who are saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I deal a lot with oh, clients no. saying, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. this is really hard. Or this is scary. And that's what I'm for. Right. Yeah. Right. To, to make it easier and to help them to remember that they do know. They just don't know that they know. Ah, perfect. Um. That, that's my job. That's what I do. That's why I'm in the room with you. So I don't deal with that there. When it comes to family and friends, um, I never felt like... Is that really a true statement? Hmm. I definitely did not get hardcore resistance. Um, I want you to go back kind of resistance. Great. 
Um, and I think that that's largely because everybody knows I can't go back. I mean, I can't go back. There is no going back. I can't unparalyze myself. So I think it's different if the challenge that you're facing is, um, looks more optional. Ah, all right. If you're going through a divorce... There may be people in your life who are saying, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You had a good thing. Well, he, has, he had a good job. <laughs> Why would you leave? Why would yeah. you leave? <laughs> Who's going to take care of you now? So in that situation, you might get more resistance. What are people you supposed to yeah. say to me? You know, yeah. they, they, you know, there is no going back. So I did not get that. I remember one time my mother expressing... I was expecting some excitement about who I was becoming. And I remember my mother expressing some fear and some sadness. Like, but what about, I just want my daughter back. Yeah. You know? And boy, that's just true when you transform. You know, there will be people in your life because you can't change without everybody around you changing. Changing as well. It's a domino effect. It's what happens. So there, there will definitely be people that resist that. And you breathe. Hmm. Hmm. You trust. Mm-hmm. And you stay the course. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank oh, you. Oh. All right. Goodness. So, yes. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Wow. Ooh. So now, See, yeah, and you I thought do. we now were going to follow an agenda. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's the theme of the whole thing. Uh, uh, although we didn't. Now I get a sense of caterpillar soup. That's for sure. I feel like I've gone through a major experience. That's that's your ability. That's your ability to share. It's it's part of your gift. You must you must be some. It's see this is this is performance, but it's not at the same time. You are allowing us in in. Telling your story and reliving not just your story, but the sense of it, I I swear you're creating some sort of a vehicle, it feels like, for people to just go on their own journeys while you talk about your journey. That's because that's what I'm feeling sitting here. It's like, thank God. (laughs) It's it's what happens. It's what happens. There's a philosophy that... um, you know, everything we do is actually, every experience we have is cumulative in, and, mm-hmm. and plays a role in yeah. who we become. And if I look at all the things that I did, you know, especially because I was, I was well into my adulthood when I was paralyzed. You know, I was 33, right. so this didn't right. happen young. And I had all this theater training. I had all this, so performance training. Mm-hmm. I had, I had you know, training and, and experience as a writer, as a storyteller, as someone who, who lives very close to the concept of a story and mm-hmm. the power of that. Mm-hmm. I used to be a teacher. I went to graduate school and I studied human development. Like, I could never yeah. have imagined where this was all going yeah. together or even that it would go together at all. Right, exactly. And then I fall exactly. out of a tree and it all just goes... And knits together, mm-hmm. and I happen to have a particular skill set that allows me to be 
this person in the world that allows me to do this work, that allows me to have this impact in this way. I just happen to have that skill set. You had all the tools ready to go. I had all the tools ready to go. Everything in your life prepared you for Mm -hmm. this. And even all of, you know, all of my spiritual training and my spiritual work so that in the moment that the branch cracked, I had the awareness of the choice I was facing and I had the ability to take it. Mm. Yes. So now everybody's listening and going, okay, I want to meet her. I want (laughs) to work with her. I want to hear her. How and where can they find you? Okay. Um, Well, you absolutely can find me online uh, at my website. I'm assuming on your thing you'll post. post. Yeah, because I will. Stroll costs a pain to spell, and so is Liana for that matter. (laughs) So I'm not going to spell out the website, but you can definitely find me there. Um, You can actually, right from my website, you can you can apply for a a complimentary discovery session and we can connect one on one and explore if this is a right choice for you given what's going on in your life so that's available Um, there's also a lovely little free gift on my website for anybody who just wants to check in and visit Uh, it's a story that I recorded about a 20 minute story called death by positivity and it's a it's all about um, you know how forcing ourselves to be positive quote unquote be positive is really getting in the way (laughs) Ah, and uh, what uh, how not to be in the way so there's that and then um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook Facebook I really want to recommend the Shiro's Way group Mm, um, which you can come and join Uh, my own personal Facebook profile I'm sort of on and off on and you know might not be what you're looking for but in the group I've just launched that and and that's a good place to sort of connect with these teachings and the Shiro's mm. way. And yeah. And do you still have that website? Um, n- it's not about the chair. No, it's not about the chair it was my blog when I was first injured. And mm. I, I had that for years. And uh, most of that has been absorbed into my current website. Okay. Cause I love that title. Great. It's just an awesome title. Mm-hmm. Um, you have been inspirational all the way through, but I didn't know if there was something you wanted to leave us with. You know, oh, I, yes. um, I was thinking deeply about that this morning, actually, and I thought, you know, I have no idea um, where this conversation will go. And so I, I decided to really just leave myself open to wherever we, we landed, you know? Yes, right. Um, and right. now that we're here, I think, I think what I want to leave you with is this. Far more than resistance from people around me, clients or otherwise. What I get from people is a response that says, wow, she's amazing. I could never do that. Yes. And I want to tell you, all of you, everyone, (laughs) that you're wrong. Because if you had asked me moments before I fell, lifelong dancer, could you survive and thrive if you were paralyzed? I would have said no, and I would have been absolutely sure. I also would have been wrong. So I am telling you, 
every single one of you is underestimating yourselves. Just because you haven't been able to do it in the past, just because you haven't been able to do it in this moment, means nothing. It just means you haven't had enough of the right support. That's all it means. You are underestimating yourself. Blessed be. Blessed be indeed. Indeed. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Leanna. My pleasure, truly. This has been an extraordinary hour. Yes, thank you. I know, I know anyone listening talk about transformative moments. We were also in the last episode talking about when you know that someone is speaking to you. You didn't know it was what you had to hear. Mm. You weren't expecting a voice to come out of nowhere and just line up with you and tell you what you needed. Um, this, this, is, this is one of those. It's a, it's, a, it's a moment. It's an episode. It's an experience. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Paul Preston. Thank you, David Shostak, for your music. Thank you, everyone, for listening and experiencing this moment with <laughs> us. Thank you for joining us in the in cruising in the light and shadow. This is Anana Moon. This is Sheila Kichamarie reminding you that love is everywhere. Our lives touch everyone and everything. Please go forth in love. And Om Shante. Namaste. Namaste.